0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au Well, today have I got a story for you. It's not fiction. It's actually true. It's from the Bible, and it's where it all began. It's God's original version, an actual fact, of once upon a time. So we're going to turn to Genesis in this book, the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Now, of course, if you know your Bible, there's a lot of books in here. I'm not going to go all the way through to Revelation this morning. That'll be for another day. But we're going to kick off on Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verses 1 through to 11. Now, if you're a relatively new Christian, you might not have read this before. If you've been a Christian for quite a while, you might not have read this for Quite a while. So I always think it's amazing to see Genesis. I love it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. That's a lot of work in one day, isn't it? But hey, he's God. Verse 6, God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered the waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Notice the theme here: God's doing a lot of creating stuff, and He's actually saying that it's all good stuff. Verse eleven: Then God said, "Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds." And it was so. Now, of course, the creation uh, story continues on from there, but that's just to give you a bit of an insight. So today my message is The Word um, and we are talking during mingle time with uh, Nikki because we, we spoke with her and uh, she actually thought my message was talking about The Word, she didn't realise the title of the message is The Word. But it is the word referred to, of course, uh, as the Bible. So we're already into my first point. If you're taking notes, and obviously we've always got hard copies of notes, so make sure you grab one of those if you'd like those. Our host team have always got those. If you're on a streaming platform, MetroChurch.Online, all the notes are there every single week. Otherwise, you can just take your own notes, whatever you like. So this is point number one, the spoken word. So as you can see, the spoken word is kind of pretty powerful. So... I mentioned at the beginning, maybe you haven't read that verse for a little while. Well, here's one way in which you can read it on a reasonably regular basis. You can do what I do, which is I've got what's called a one-year Bible. So basically, it's the whole Bible. And the idea is you read a small amount of that each day. And then within a whole year, if you do this every single day, you end up reading the entire Bible. Now, when I first Heard about that, I thought that's impossible. I, I'm not a I'm not a huge reader as far as I get tired if I read for too long. I thought I'm just I'm not gonna be able to do that. How can I possibly read the whole Bible in a year? I've obviously, you know, I read the Bible a lot and I'd go through chapters and stuff like that, but I thought, my goodness, the whole Bible. But it's really clever how they've designed this. They give you a couple of chapters from the Old Testament couple of chapters from the New Testament, and they throw in some Psalms and some Proverbs. Now, I'm a bit of a slow reader, so for me it takes around about 15 or 20 minutes. I know other people who read a lot faster. So use me as the litmus test, probably no more than 20 minutes. And if you do that every single day, you'll actually read the whole Bible in a year. Now, you can take the pressure off because I like to, well, I don't like to be. I'm a little bit OCD in some regards. So like today being the 31st of July, if I open up my one-year Bible and today is not the 31st of July, but it's maybe the 20th of July because, I don't know, I slipped in or I skipped a couple of days, I I try not to go into meltdown. I just go, you know what, Bruce, it's okay. I don't have to do the one-year Bible every single day, but I do want to do it as often as I can, and so that within a year-ish, I get to read the whole Bible. That's the more important thing, I think. Make sure that you are reading God's word regularly in a quantity that is sufficient. Probably more than one verse, I think, is necessary. But just read it in chunks that work for you. And if you want to perhaps grab a one-year Bible, then by all means, you can do that. But getting back to that, those initial chapters there in Genesis chapter 1, it's absolutely amazing. What we saw there was the power of God's spoken word. If you recall those verses that we just read, it didn't say, God thought, let there be light. God said, let there be light. So it's about the words that God spoke and still does to this day. The spoken words are where the power actually is. So we'll just go back to a couple of those. So thanks on CG there. So verse 3, there it is, the first one that we see. God said, let there be light and there was light. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, if you're a bit like a science nerdy mind that I've got, there was no light. There was nothing. God created this thing called light just by saying it. Just blows my mind. Verse 6, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. God said, and it happened. Verse 9, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Again, he said it and it happened. Verse 11. God said let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. God said. I hope you're seeing there is incredible power in what God says. And so when this Bible is referred to as the word of God, you can start to see this is not just a story here. This is not just interesting collected, it's not a historical document although there is a lot of historical information in here. It's alive. When God says things, things happen. That's pretty amazing. When I say things, they barely happen. I've got several dogs. And when I give them verbal commands, they very rarely respond. (laughs) Maybe I just need more of that authority of voice of God. I'm not too sure. Uh, The best I could do is normally sit, and even then they give me this cute little tilt on the side of the head going, you have no idea. But anyway, I don't think sitting is the most important thing that a dog can actually do. There's more important things than that. But God's spoken word Is just phenomenal. You know, I'd like to spend even more time just on that one point, but I do have some other points that I want to roll out to you. So that's the first point there. Number one, the spoken word. So, therefore, if you're any good at maths, guess what the next point is? Number two, the living word. So, the Bible is often referred to as the word of God, and obviously, um, it's living. So, let's have a look at another perspective of this, this is now over into the New Testament, John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I was at a a, a home group, a connect group, uh, a long time ago, over 30 years ago, Um, and we actually started the night with that verse, and that's about as far as we got, because we were just like, huh, what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We're talking about the different aspects of God here, which is just pretty amazing. Continuing it on, and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. We just saw that in Genesis. Without him nothing was made that has been made. God's made absolutely everything, including all of us in this room and online. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We'll skip a couple of verses just for the sake of time and go through to verse 14. This is just pretty amazing as well. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We're now talking about Jesus. So the word of God, his words that created things in the first place and his word that was always with us. Now the word becomes flesh. This is just pretty incredible. We have seen this glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now here's a freebie for you which wasn't in my prepared notes. We're seeing here the Trinity talked about. So if you've been around in church a little while, the Trinity refers try as in three. It refers to the three aspects or the three natures of God. So you've got God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're all in one but they are all God. And I was talking to a, a family member who's not yet uh, following God, not yet a Christian. And they, they asked me briefly about this. And this was just an understanding that I think the Lord dropped into my heart. And I was talking to this woman. Um, and I said, well, look, as far as how can three different things still be the same thing? How can three different entities still be God? I said, you, this is a lady I was talking to, I said, you are a daughter. You had a mother, you are a daughter you are a mother yourself, so you're a daughter and you're a mother. I said, you're also a grandmother. So you are a daughter, a mother, and a grandmother. You are the same person. But according to the role that you are playing and according to the people that interact with you, they will have a different experience of you as either a daughter, a mother, or a grandmother. So think of that perhaps as a way of getting your head around the Trinity, You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Freebie right there. So we're talking about the living Word of God. Now, of course, we've all got living bodies here, and so hopefully we all understand they need food and water in just the right amount. If you have too much of the food, this kind of thing can happen. And if you don't have too much of the liquid, I suppose death can happen. We actually need liquid, so that's all pretty important. But just like these physical bodies need nutrients and sustenance, we are also spiritual beings because we have been created by a spiritual God and we have spirits inside of us. And so our spirits also need food. Now, maybe you haven't heard that put that way before. No one would say, I don't need food anymore. I'm over it. I had a meal a couple of weeks ago. I'm all good. But how many of us Do that with this. I read a couple of chapters last week. Okay. And you may not realize it, but if you are not regularly reading the word of God, you are starving your spirit. And guess what happens when you starve something? You starve it to death. It dies. But you can always turn back to God. He's always there, always gracious. And if you're feeling a bit condemned now, don't condemn yourself because God doesn't. But just get back into it. You know, Get back into it. I know when you're sick, um, many of us have had COVID, I'm sure, um, and it does affect your appetite, and you don't feel like eating for a little while. But then you get back on and you, you eat again. Same with the Word of God. Don't neglect it. Read it regularly. Your spirit needs it. Your spirit needs it way more than you think it really does. It just has such incredible power. Just like being a part of the worship experience this morning. That has incredible power. You are proclaiming spiritual truths. And when we all get to do that together, there's something amazingly powerful about corporate worship, worshipping with other people. Even online, knowing that you're worshipping with other people, even if it's yourself in wherever you are by yourself, you are not by yourself. You're with other believers at the same time, which is why if you can't be in the building for meetings, join us online live. Now, it's powerful if you... Because of time zones, you can join us after the event if it's not live. But if you can join us live, join us live. There's just something knowing that other people are with you in that exact same moment. So Jesus actually really understands that we do need spiritual food. In case you hadn't heard this verse in a while, let's have a look at it. This is Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus answered. This is Jesus speaking. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is so much great stuff in there. We can't live on bread alone, food alone. But I like how Jesus says on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not some. Jesus could have said, get your favourites in here. They're good. The others, no, don't worry about them. He is saying on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there is nothing in here that cannot be useful to you. Every single word is amazingly powerful. So the word of God is alive. It is living. And I'm sure like me, if you've been a Christian any more than five minutes, you'll read a passage of scripture and then there'll be a moment where you go, hang on, I've read that before, but now, wow, look at what it means. That's the Holy Spirit making that verse alive to you. Now, that doesn't mean it was dead before and then it suddenly became alive. That's an us thing, not a God thing. But that's why it's alive. You can read it and all of a sudden, like, that's amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but having read the Reader's Digest or a puzzle, that never happens to me on books that I read. I get, un- I get understanding, perhaps, and I-, I chuckle if it's something funny, but it doesn't have that kind of an impact because those words are not alive and living. They're not the Word of God, but, of course, the Bible is. Okay, so that's point number two, the living word. Point three, the power of the word. You're probably, now by, you're probably getting the idea that words have power. And uh, if you cast your memory back to childhood, wasn't there that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Oh, that is such a lie. That is such a lie. It's a brave thing that kids try and uh, belt out there, but, um, and I'm sure I'm not unique in having unkind words sent towards me. Sympathy vote there? No? We all had them. So those words really do have power, and that's not the Word of God. That's just something coming out of another person's mouth. There is an authority that is accepted from human mouths, in actual fact. Who would have thought there's authority in the Word of God But the laws of the land also have an acceptance that if you are called to a court of law and you are to testify about something of a legal nature, I'm assuming, then whatever you say, it is understood and taken to be truthful. If you don't tell the truth in those settings, you're in big, big trouble. So even the laws of our land, who may or may not acknowledge the God of all creation... There is an acknowledgement that if we ask you something, then what you say, there is power in your words as far as the truth is concerned. And that's just a human testifying to something in a court of law. So there's amazing power in God's word. Now, I could do a quick quiz, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows that. I'll do it anyway. What's the most read and published book in the world? The Bible. Okay. Guess how many copies of the Bible have been printed since the first printing press of the Bible, which was in 1454? Any guesses? Put a B on the end of whatever number you're thinking of and you'll be getting closer. Five billion copies of the Bible have been printed and produced since the paper version of the Bible was created, not to mention parchments, stone tablets etc that's just staggering five billion copies and that's as of november 2021 so as of november last year five billion copies that's the hard copy printed word of god not to mention downloadable versions i've got a few versions on on this phone as well so that's incredible power i don't think any no book even comes close to those sorts of numbers we're into the millions for some books not into the billions. Nothing is in the billions of copies. That's pretty staggering, I think. So there is incredible authority that is in God's word. So you might not have known where some of the Bible actually came from. So pretty much the Bible is broken up into the Old Testament, the New Testament, and of course there's Psalms and Proverbs in there as well. When it comes to the Old Testament, basically God would speak through people, the prophets, and that's how the Old Testament pretty much got written. Jesus came along and what he spoke about and what he taught about is referred to as the New Testament, and that's Jesus' input um, giving that particular guidance. But here's a verse from Jesus himself where he actually ties together his authority going back to the Trinity, going back to the Father, going back to the Word. This is in Luke chapter 6 and verses 16 to 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Good godly habit there from Jesus coming to church regularly. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. That's interesting. This was not a prearranged meeting here. Jesus just walked into the temple on that particular day and he was handed the book of Isaiah, unrolling it, He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, Jesus is saying, Isaiah spoke about this person who would come. And guess what? It's me. So, he's bringing that authority between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's bringing or reaffirming the power of the Word of God pre Jesus coming and then affirming the authority that he is now speaking about. And you'll see many instances. In the New Testament, where uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of of that day, were challenging him. And they, they would say things like, on whose authority are you saying this? It's like, you mean you have to ask? It's God, of course. Okay, so that's point number three, the power of the word. Let's get on to point number four then, the instructional word. The instructional word, which is a fancy way of saying instructions that come from the word of God. But before we get back to the Bible, here's a little story that I thought I would read out to you. Uh, This is the story of of an American battleship that was fighting a storm at sea during World War II. On the radar, an unknown vessel was spotted directly in front of the battleship. Here's the transcript between those two vessels. Battleship. Unknown vessel. Turn your vessel 10 degrees west. Unknown vessel. Negative. Turn your vessel 10 degrees. Battleship. Unknown vessel, this is the USS Battleship Iowa. Turn your vessel around now. Unknown vessel, USS Iowa, we are a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) So there can be instructions coming our way, but are we prepared to take heed of the instructions? Are we going to listen to the instructions? Do we think we know better? So when we're looking at the Word of God then, It very much is instructional. But uh, I do know that uh, as humans, we've got a tendency to perhaps not always read what we ought to read. All of us buy appliances, devices, things, and they normally all come with an instruction manual. They're nicely wrapped up. Not to keep them from ever deteriorating, mind you, that's a good thing, because most instruction manuals probably never get opened or read. Who is a little bit OCD like me and fastidiously, religiously, dare I say the term, who always reads instruction manuals whenever you get something? I'm going to confess up here. Got a few of us. Okay. Hallelujah. We must be so spiritual. I don't know about the others. But quite possibly then maybe you do refer to the instruction manual later down the track if something isn't working the way that it should do and you wonder why it isn't working and you wonder if there would ever be a way of finding out such information. Well, the instruction manual is kind of there and it helps you for that. So that's fantastic. But you know, God understands that hesitancy in us to do what we need to do because you do know we're sinful by nature, don't you? That's what happened as a result of the fall. We don't do what we really need to do. But I love how God likes to remind us about that and encourage us in that and help us understand the things that we need to do. Not too sure what I'm talking about? Let's have a look at James chapter 1 and verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Again, there's just so much in that. Don't just listen to the word, because listening without actually doing anything, it's like that instruction manual. Your device is malfunctioning or it's not doing what you want it to do. Surely you would not eventually reach for the instruction manual, find out what it is you need to do, but then do nothing. Who does that? No one. You go to the instruction manual because you know that there's going to be an answer there. And then once you've learnt that information, you then apply that, you put it into practice. So reading the Bible, reading God's Word, it's not about facts and, fi- and numbers and history and, oh, that's interesting. God said, let there be light. Well, that's interesting. The takeaway is whatever God says, there's power in that. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. And what I think that's talking about there is just reading it isn't enough. It's a great start, but it isn't enough. Don't deceive yourself that reading the Word of God makes it all actually happen. You need to do the Word of God. Do what it says. It's the last part there on verse 22. Now, quite often, knowing what you need to know before you need to know it is actually a good thing. It might sound a bit strange, but what am I talking about? Knowing what you need to know before you need to know it. If you've ever been on an airplane, and I should do a show of hands who has not been on an airplane, They've got those safety cards behind the seats um, still in this uh, day and age. They haven't gone all electronic. And the idea of the safety card is that you whip it out and you're meant to be able to see on there where your life vest is for the plane, even though it's a plane, not a boat, but where's the life vest? Go figure for that one. Where the emergency exits are, how the oxygen masks are, um, storing your stuff behind the seat in front of you, etc. But again, I do actually pretty much read those every time I get onto a plane just in case on there, but, and as the, the, you know, you're taking off and the cabin crew will go through and they'll do the safety demonstration, which again, most people tend to not look at as far as we all know what a seatbelt is, so we just kind of ignore them like that, but I'm pretty sure that if everyone's, anyone's been in an airplane that might seem like it's going down, I'm pretty sure the thoughts are, I should have listened to the safety video. I should have looked at that card to find out where actually is my emergency exit because I might be needing it in 35 seconds' time. Sometimes finding out what you need to know after you really needed to know it is a little bit too late. That's why God wants us to read his word often and regularly so that you can know the kind of things that he wants you to know beforehand. Things like direction for our lives things like insight into our lives, because all of those things are also in the word of God. Let's have a look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Short verse here. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That's even got amazing depth to it if you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. Your word is a lamp for my feet, Lamps provide illumination. Feet are wherever you are, normally. My feet have never detached themselves from my body, thank goodness. So wherever my feet are, then that reveals where I am. And if there's a lamp unto my feet, then God's trying to tell us that he wants us to understand where we are. Not in the sense of if you're about to get lost in the street or something like that, but where are we in life? If we allow God to shine his light on our lives, on our feet, he will show us where we are in our lives at the moment. Then that same verse goes on to say, a light for my path. Paths are generally something that are in front of you, or if you're lost, perhaps behind you. Paths are about the future. Paths are about walking along to that point to get along to whatever is beyond the path or whatever is along that path that you're looking at so god here is saying he needs us and he wants us to understand where we are right now he wants to give direction as to where we are going therefore he is giving us instructions and it's as simple as just opening up our eyes and letting god reveal to us where we are right now and where he wants to lead us and if you're thinking yeah but i read that and i don't exactly know where I am right now, and I don't have clarity as to where God wants to lead me, well, then ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Because the Word of God is alive, and he says he's providing a lamp to show us where we are, and he will light a path for the direction that he wants us to go in. Another verse, in case you didn't know that God has plans for you, he absolutely does. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Is this okay that I quite a few verses from this Bible, from the Word of God here this morning? Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you. Again, just amazing. Not some of you, not the superstars, not the people that are up on the stage here, not the people that have been Christians for a couple of decades. This is God speaking to you and to me and to every single one of us. God's saying, I know the plans I have for you. And plans is plural, not just one. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. And if ever you hear from a stupid Christian saying, God made that bad thing happen to you, they're a stupid Christian. They don't know their Bible. Because this verse, which is alive and truthful, says, God has plans not to harm me. So anyone that says that God's doing this, they're stupid. They're wrong. You can love them in Jesus' name. Maybe you don't tell them that to their face. Pastor Bruce said, <laughs> plans to give you hope and a future. That is just amazing. Plans to give you hope. If, you are, if you're feeling that you don't have hope, I get that. We're human. But this says God has plans to give us hope. So if you don't feel you've got hope, ask God for it. Say, God, I'm going to rely on your word. You said that you have plans for me to give me hope. Lord, I need hope. Will you give me hope? That is a prayer that God will answer. You know how I know that? Because He says so. A hope and a future. I have no future. My life sucks. It's all terrible. No, there is a future for every single one of us. And that doesn't matter whether you're one, 10, or 101. There is, if you've got lungs, if you've got lungs in your air, if you've got air in your lungs, there is a future for every single one of us. So there's amazing instruction that can come from God's word. There's a book that I read quite a few years ago. Um, I don't think this author is actually Christian, but it's quite a good book. It's got some good principles in here. Many of you probably know it. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale, by Dale Carnegie. I've met a few people along the way that have actually, I think, rewritten their version of that book. It's called How to Alienate People and Drive Them Away. Ever <laughs> met any people like that? Like, here, here's my book that I've got. How to Alienate People and Drive Them Away. Would you like me to sign it for you? Probably no thanks, not very much at all. But all you need to do is go back to God's Word for instructional direction on how to actually get along with people because there's so much in here that talks about that. Proverbs 15 verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, you might feel that you can justify, well, I don't want to give a gentle answer because they're being a dipstick. That's Australian for stupid, sorry. I don't want to do that. I I would just want to tell them exactly what I think and how silly they really are. Well, the Bible says a gentle answer is the way to go because it can turn away wrath. But it does say a harsh word stirs up anger. That's how arguments continue. They start somewhere, and if they continue, it's because of this, that a harsh word stirs up anger, and then that person restur- re- returns with another harsh word, and on it goes, and it's World War III before you know it. But there is instruction here. Have a gentle answer. Normally starts with something like, yes, dear. <laughs> but, but not with cynicism. <laughs> with love and uh, with genuineness. All right, so that's the instructional word of God. Let me wrap up then with my final point here, uh, point number five, the intentional word. So what do I mean by the intentional word? Well, if you're wanting to do anything, it needs to be intentional. Otherwise, it probably won't happen. So when we're talking about reading the Word of God, you may need to develop the habit of reading the Word of God or maybe increasing the habit of reading the Word of God or the, the amount of the Bible, the Word of God that you, that you have. What I know is this, all habits start small and then they become easy to do. It might be hard to start with, but start with something that you can actually work with. So for example, as I mentioned, there's all different Bibles. There's a Bible version on here that you can get. It's called you Bible, And you can get it for Android phones and for Apple phones. So go to your, your Apple store or the Google Play store, search for you Bible, One word, you Bible. if you haven't got it already. Download that. It's the entire Bible on your phone. There's like 30 different versions that you can download. So choose your favorite version. And one of the features that I love of this is they have got a feature called a daily verse. And I pretty much look at this every single day, including this morning. It's just one verse. Now, I mentioned before that you're going to need more than one verse, just like you need more than one pea on your plate for food sustenance. One pea is better than nothing, I suppose. Start somewhere. But the the daily verse is absolutely fantastic. We um, had our time of giving earlier this morning in the service, and I had the privilege of leading that. That verse that I spoke about was from today's daily verse. So there can be incredible power just in one verse by itself. So maybe start there. I've talked about the one-year Bible. I've then just alluded to different versions of the Bible that are available. So why are there different versions? Just because they explain the Bible in slightly different ways. Are they theologically incorrect? No. They're just different ways of putting the same thing. And when I talk to people about different versions of the Bible, I like to give this example that If you know Perth well enough, so sorry for the geography lesson um, if you are not from Perth, but Perth is the capital city of Western Australia, which is where we are, and about 25 minutes' drive on a good day is the port city of Fremantle where all the shipping containers and, and so forth come in. So it's kind of like a satellite city of Perth, and I actually grew up around Fremantle. So if I was to give instructions to somebody on how to actually drive their car from Perth to Fremantle, I could give them a couple of choices. I could say hop onto the freeway and go that way. I could say you can go Leach Highway. You could do uh, Stirling Highway. You go across to the coast and then head down West Coast Highway and through Leighton Beach and other places like that. All of those instructions would be valid instructions. People would get to Fremantle from Perth. I'd just be giving different instructions, but the end result would be the same. That's the same with the Word of God. It's the same word just different versions. So find a version that works for you. If you're a rare person who speaks in ye old English from the 1600s, great, knock yourself out, get whatever version has that. If you speak more contemporary English like I normally do, then get a more contemporary, more modern version. Just get one that actually makes sense to you for your regular reading. And then if you're a bit like me and you like to know a bit more about the Word of God, then maybe get some different versions. And if you're getting the U version, it doesn't even cost you anything. You don't have to go and buy different paper copies, although I've got a stack of those at home as well. And so quite often I'll be really intrigued about a passage of Scripture. And because God's Word is alive, and I know that he's always wanting to speak to me through it, I'll read a verse and i go, you know what? I want to find out a little bit more about that same verse. So I'll grab a different version of the Bible and it will give me just a different perspective and help me understand a little bit more. That's me wanting to get the three meat and two veg on my plate, getting variety in my spiritual diet. And I would encourage you to do the same thing as well. Now you might think, oh, look, Bruce, I'm really busy. this whole reading the Bible every day thing. I don't know if I can do that. Well, we've all got the same number of hours in every single day. And um, I I have the privilege of working with a lot of couples in their marriages, people that are about to get married and people that are married. And I do a whole bunch of uh, workshopping things and just chats and and sessions with people to help enhance their about-to-be-married life or their existing married life. And one of the things I like to go through with them is their allocation of time and what they do with time. So it's a very simple exercise. I get them to write down the entire week, and all the different things that typically will take up their weekly time. And they add up the number of hours per week. That in itself is quite mind-boggling for a lot of people. They don't realise how much time they actually are spending on some of these things. And then normally they'll go, you know what, I don't think I want to spend that much time doing those things anymore, but I would rather spend more time doing these things. And then they will be able to find time to pray and read the Word of God. So if you're thinking that you're struggling with the time, then maybe do a bit of a time analysis for yourself and just reprioritize where your time is going. Because guess what? You have total control over where your time goes. Now, I know there are some constraints. There might be work or study or family. And of course, we all need sleep. But there's a huge amount of flexible time that you've got that you've got control over. But your spiritual growth, it is intentional. It's not automatic just like physical health, it's intentional and not automatic. Uh, Many years ago, I think it was like early 90s, where aerobics was all the rage. So I bought this aerobics tape on VHS, stuck it in the TV and watched it. It was great. They were sweating away there. I was cool as a cucumber. Fantastic. But I kind of realized, you know what, it was more than just watching it. I had to actually do something myself. I had to be intentional in my exercise, and now I don't do aerobics, but I do intentionally exercise. It's the same with your spiritual growth. It needs to be intentional. And this might shock some of you. Do you know what? Coming to church is not enough. This is not enough for your spiritual growth. It is a key part of it. It's incredibly impactful. It's incredibly important, but it's not enough. If you only hear the scriptures that we read about and put up on the screen, that's something better than nothing, but that's no more near enough. You are putting yourself on an extreme diet, and you're going to become an anorexic Christian, which does not end well. So you need to do more than that. It's just got to be intentional. And you'll be amazed. It's like exercise. When I first started exercising, I was like, I don't want to do this. It's uncomfortable. Now I actually enjoy it. And I feel the difference inside of me when I don't do it. I'm, I'm sad to say that, unfortunately, I don't think you feel that same drop in your spiritual life. You feel the, the benefit when you are actually proactively developing a spiritual life, but you don't necessarily feel the life getting sucked out of you. That's why it's got to be intentional, automatic, without even thinking about it. Let me finish off with this verse then. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Thank you, team, if you can come as well. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, again, I just love this. This is one of my favourite scriptures, along with every other verse that I might ever say is my favourite. But I love this one. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So straight away, God is saying, Don't do what the world does. You need to do something else. What do you need to do? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that doesn't mean going to a surgeon. It means reading this, the Word of God. That is how our mind gets transformed. I so remember my earliest days as a Christian. The moment that I asked Jesus into my life, I was absolutely, totally changed by His Spirit. And all of a sudden, I started reading stuff in here that became alive to me. And it instantly changed my behavior. People could see that. I had a family member um, express their concern, if I put it that way for me. They said, you know, Bruce, we've observed you over the last couple of months. We're really concerned for you. I said, why is that? They said, it seems like you're turning your whole life over to God. It's like, and the problem is? It's like, seriously, I'm so glad they saw that. That was this passage coming to life in my life, being transformed by the renewing of my mind by the Word of God. That's how God wants us to live. And the last part, and it's only just verse 2, the second part of verse 2, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you've ever said and thought to yourself, I don't know what God wants me to do, I don't know how to program my microwave i don't know where the windscreen wipers are on my new car i'm not saying the bible will tell you where that is but you know what i mean refer to god's word test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will not bad unpleasant and imperfect the opposite his good pleasing and perfect will plans to do good not to harm you. Now, in you hearing all of this, I am sure there are people perhaps in this building and probably online, and you haven't yet asked Jesus into your life. So some of this stuff may not be making sense to you. Do you know what? The Word of God says that as well. And it's not to poke fun at you. It's not to call you silly or anything like that. The Word says that unless you've got the Spirit of God inside of you, unless you've asked Jesus into your heart, you will not fully understand all of what is in here. You can't go wrong following the Bible, but you won't fully understand it all until you ask Jesus into your heart. And it's so super easy. We don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want to do anything that will cause a barrier to stopping you saying yes to Jesus. So we make it really, really easy. All you need to do is say yes to Jesus. You can just say it to yourself silently under your breath right now, whether you're in the building or online. But just like the Word says we need to put action into play, you do need to do something, and I want to encourage you to do that. So in saying yes, the next step we'd like you to do is a couple of things. We've got a number up on the screen there. If you've got a mobile phone and you're in Australia, you can text the word YES, Y-E-S, through to this number, 0488. 826-392. That's all you need to do. Or you can hop onto this webpage, wherever you are in the world, yes.metrochurch.org.au. And in there, you click on the Yes button. And if you do that, what will happen is that the next day at 7am Perth time, you will get sent a Bible verse, either through your mobile phone or through the email system. And a short prayer and get you started on your relationship with God. You think, is it that easy? Can I just text the word yes and that's it? Well, if you mean it, absolutely. If you don't mean it, don't do it. But if you mean it, absolutely, it's that easy. So I want to pray for every person that perhaps is about to make that decision. You can do it now, think about it, do a little bit later, whenever you want. But I'm going to pray for those people. And of course, everyone else who's a believer, I want this word, this morning's word, to be sealed in your heart and for everyone to have an increased appreciation and hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for those people that don't yet know you. I pray that as they hear this appeal, they will respond to you, Jesus. They will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. They will hear the voice of the Father. They will hear the voice of the Son saying, come to me. I pray that they'll respond and say yes to you, Jesus. And Lord, for all of us that have, had, that have heard your word this morning, myself included, Lord, I pray, increase our hunger for the spiritual food, the food that gives us life, Lord God. Give us a greater understanding every time we open up the Bible or, or scroll through on our devices. Lord, I pray that it will continue to speak life and energy into our lives. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.